Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Julie Bornstein, who is the founder and CEO of fashion e-commerce platform, The Yes. The Yes launched in March 2020 before anyone knew the impact of the pandemic. I wanted to ask Julie about the challenges that the timing posed in getting the company off the ground, plus the opportunity she saw in e-commerce after holding C-suite positions at Stitch Fix and Sephora. Julie, so good to see you. Great to see you, Jill. Thanks for being here. So that's so vague for me to say fashion e-commerce platform. <laughs> I mean, it's so much more. It's personalization uh, to the nth degree. How would you describe the company? Um, the Yes is a new way to shop, and it is a digital platform that enables sort of each user to have a store really built and adapt around and we sell um, brands from across the spectrum, high to low, um, from Madewell and Levi's to Bottega and Balenciaga and everything in between. Um, and the idea is we each have our style preferences, we have our sizes that we wear, and we have things we never want to see and things we always want to see. And how do we create a shopping experience online that allows us to have kind of the best things that are most relevant for us, shown to us, um, inspire us, and make it really easy to buy. Julie, what do you never want to see? <laughs> I never want to see cold shoulder or crop tops. <laughs> and you right will find on. both of those questions in the polarizing screen in the onboarding. <laughs> On. I mean, I never want to see skinny jeans because I have such a – now I, I just have a complex about Gen Z thinking I'm lame. Anyway, let's continue. <laughs> um, so the go-to-market plan out of the gate, uh, what was the plan back in March? The, did that change? Yes. Um, so we actually started working on building the S in the spring of 2018 with the plans to – take about 18 to 24 months to build both the technology, which is pretty comprehensive, and get the brands to, um, you know, understand what we're doing and partner with us. The um, plan was to launch in the beginning of um, 2020. Um, our launch date was originally March 20th, um, and then COVID hit. So we obviously were like, wait, what's going on? This is probably not the best time to launch a new fashion shopping platform. And um, so we held. And as we realized that this wasn't going away anytime quickly, we knew we needed to launch. Um, we chose a week in May. Um, we had a great launch the week after um, the George Floyd incident happened and, you know, the world just got even more complicated. Um, so it was a crazy year. I think everybody experienced the crazy years of the last two years, um, but certainly not our plan to launch in that way. Um, totally. What I would say is that um, it ended up giving us almost like a, a year to operate in what felt like a beta time frame. We launched with App First, which has its pros and its cons, and we learned a lot from that. Um, but we really ended up using that first year to just, you know, improve the experience, onboard more brands, and learn from our users what they liked and, and improve, you know, so many things. Um, and decide we needed to launch web, um, which we did the following year. So it could have been worse. Like, I mean, mobile is kind of where it's at during the pandemic. Everyone has their head down on their phone, whether they're in lockdown or not. I feel like um, that that's a happy place to be. Um, to what extent did that work to your advantage? Also, you're kind of 
um, the gaming element involved. Personally, I was a Rent the Runway member. If I was bored, I'd go in, see the newest looks, like the ones I like. Um, what did you find about the customer behavior? Yeah, we definitely found that there was a high engagement. So to your point, people had time on their hands and they were definitely sort of open to um, playing, even if they weren't actually buying new clothes because they didn't have anywhere to go. So we saw high engagement with people sort of yesing and knowing products in the app. Um, and, you know, what a lot of customers told us is even though they weren't sort of buying much um, at this moment, they really loved that they could start to tune the algorithm and that they could kind of keep track of the things they're interested in for when the world did open up and they were buying again. So that definitely served us well. And the other thing is that, you know, because the world was changing, everyone was going online for everything, people were picking up new habits. Um, and so for that, you know, perspective, it wasn't a bad thing to launch a new product and get people to give it a try and test it out. What is the criteria? Because it is such an expansive array of brands, um, high, low. What would you say? Who, who's a go? Um, really, the way we thought about um, the sort of who we want on the platform is everyone who we think is a great brand, um, as sort of defined by, you know, I would say the team, which includes Taylor Tomasi Hill, who is our fashion director and really knowledgeable about all the up-and-coming emerging brands as well as the, the big ones, and Lisa Green, who runs brand partnerships and her team. And so it was really a collaborative effort of establishing who the brands out there are that, you know, stand for something interesting. And, um, and then really making sure that we're always thinking about breadth. Yes, for sure. I love those people that you mentioned. Let's quickly talk about the team and who who went into the launch and who was crucial, a crucial player. Um, I'm sure a bunch of data scientists. Taylor, who you mentioned, has this amazing background um, at Moda and, and the edit fashion editorial landscape. Um, obviously, you mentioned Lisa. Those were key players. Who was important to have on board out of the gate? Yeah, the original team was, so my co-founder, Ahmed Agarwal, who's um, an engineer that has spent a lot of time working on search and personalization problems, was really my first partner. And then um, together, you know, we built the team out and it, um, Taylor was one of the earliest uh, members of the team and such an asset in thinking about who to talk to and having those great relationships. And then Lisa um, joined pretty early on too as we wanted to scale our brands. We had some amazing engineers on board um, to build. We, we sort of have built a couple pieces of technology. One is the recommendation system. Um, another is the actual integration software that we connect with each brand on. And our goal was, how do we make sure that we don't add any more work for these brands that have so much to do every day with limited tech resources? So we really built this very comprehensive integration system that makes it really easy for any brand, no matter what e-com platform they're on, um, to do work. So we had a great tech team working on that as well um, as the sort of recommendation side. Um, and that was, you know, I would say the core team. We had amazing recruiter who helped us build the early team. Um, and then we started to build out, you know, marketing a little bit later on. 
Talk a little bit more about the business model. And um, is it that you take a cut of the sale? Is it, um, yeah, a typical marketplace model? What, what's going on there? Yes, there's no setup fee for the brands. We want to make it super easy for them to join. And uh, we take 25% commission um, once we, you know, make a sale. And that's it. It's really clean and simple. Okay, great. Well, it sounds like this amazing advanced proprietary software that you've got. It, it, are there any, I guess, ambitions to maybe work with brands, sell the, sell the software, let help them with their own personalization um, in-house for them? Yeah, it's a great question. So we are, our goal is to be the best partner a brand could possibly have. And to us, that comes in many ways, shapes, and forms. Obviously, the first is to drive volume for them. And so we're obviously, you know, a small startup, but we are growing really quickly. So we're growing about 30% each month over month over month, which is great. And so as we drive more volume through the yes, you know, it's exciting for the brands as well. I would say the second thing we think a lot about is data. What data can we provide them? How can we show them? How can we use all this yes and no data, which is a hundred times the volume of an actual purchase to give them earlier signal on, you know, what people are liking and not liking. Um, we give them all the information about sort of the customer demographics and who's shopping and what else they're shopping. So there's the data side. We also think about just being a, a resource for them. So as they're trying to figure out anything from, you know, what tech partner to use for replatforming or for email marketing or, you know, how they can sort of get more eco-friendly shippers um, for their warehouses. You know, we want to be a resource there. So um, that is another area that we're really interested in working with them on. And then, you know, there's just there's brand awareness. Like you can on our platform, you can follow any one of our brands on Instagram directly without having to leave. And as the as we sort of build out our suite of services for brands, things like a store is having an event near you, we can target the right people and share that with them. So our goal is to both improve um, you know, the sort of our total business through a great customer experience, but also to really help enhance sort of the brand's business themselves because our success depends completely upon their success and, and vice versa. I mean, talk about a heated space, fashion, e-commerce. Um, even I would think over the last year that brands in themselves would even, I don't know, in some way become more competition because their websites are no longer nascent. They're probably putting more effort and resources into their e-commerce site. Um, talk about the competition and um, is, I guess, getting in front, winning over the customer a lot about a Google search or a, um, is it more about loyalty? That's such a good question, Jill. Um, that was meaty. I'm sorry. Five no, questions in one. <laughs> well, I'm going to answer this, the last part of that question first, which is it's about loyalty. I think that the, the, the truth is, is that if a customer discovers a brand through our platform and then wants to go shop directly with that brand, that is a total win for us. I mean, our feeling is that there is a time and a place for a direct buy from a brand and for going to sort of a third-party retailer to figure out what you want. If you know that you're looking for a very specific, um, you know, Quiana bag, you're going to go to Quiana, and that's great. Um, if you learned about Quiana through our site and then you're sort of become, you know, a Quiana shopper and you then go to the site or the store for Quiana, that's also great. Like for us, that is a total win. There is there is always time and always needs for both 
individuals and, you know, over time and new people who are looking for something that is not specific to the brand. And it is, I need have this need. I need a bag. I need a black blazer for this, you know, event. Um, and, you know, our goal is to be the best shopping experience for someone who is looking for, you know, to solve a need um, for the customer and also um, a place for customers to discover new brands or even to resurface brands that you haven't thought about. You know, I've ended up buying like a bunch of Ralph Lauren things through our site and I had stopped shopping Ralph Lauren. I just sort of forgotten about them. They're, you know, they're such an amazing brand, but, you know, if they're not in front of you, you sort of forget. And so um, we see our our business, our competition is the other multi-branded sites. It is absolutely not the brand site. I mean, we see that brands businesses grow when our business grows and vice versa. So even at Sephora, when I was there for eight years and we would help the brands build their own site alongside building their selection and their experience on our site. And we would see that actually all boats rose during that period. And so I'm a huge believer in, you know, we want to make each each brand's website the best it can be, not only because we rely on that for our own ability to do business, we work with their website technically, but also because it's the right thing for them. And the more successful they are, the better off we all are. It's interesting. When I was um, just wondering, when I was talking with my Teresa recently, I was going to ask you about Discovery. They were saying kind of their niche in the world is um, like the shopper who's buying for an event. Um, Looking back, like, do you have other more sweats <laughs> on your site, sweatpants, joggers, than than maybe you had anticipated? Did you maybe expand your your focus area a- as time went on? Yeah, our, our um, I would say category coverage is pretty broad. So we have you know everything from um, you know bras and lingerie to um, casual and athleisure to everyday needs to, you know, event-driven needs. So um, we our goal is to really have everything so we can be a one-stop shop for the customer. Um, in terms of, you know, our assortment, we definitely added athleisure brands, m- probably more than we would have otherwise because of COVID. We also saw that a lot of our brands started offering sort of their version of the casual comfy things. And so for sure, in year one, we were selling lots of casual, comfy things and then maybe Zoom tops. And that was about it. And sneakers, you know, I think. <laughs> for sure. I was talking with my team. A good year year in review story would be like the rise of this ath luxury or a luxury, luxe leisure category because never seen so much of that before in my life. <laughs> it's um, true. But, you know, it's interesting. I mean, you could totally see the world change through our selling. Like, and I, you know, I'm sure others have seen this too, but we, you know, come like probably March and April, we really started seeing, you know, kind of event-driven clothing being sold. And we saw just an increase in heels and and dresses. And it was fun. It was like, oh, wow, there's, you know, the people are going to events again. And it was a nice sign. <laughs> that is nice. Well, how are you, I guess, I'm sure you're giving your customer kind of a nudge, like now's the time to to get out there or whatever, if you feel feeling them out in terms of their appetite for doing things. Um, how important is content? Is that a big a part of um, a big investment for you? Um, yeah. How do you so, how do you balance content? Go ahead. So content for us is really a combination of things. The first thing we do is um, Taylor Tomasi Hill really sets kind of the trends for the season, and then is sort of always adding in each month. And so what we have is we have this like library of relevant trends 
that are happening at any given time. And she builds that content more from a high level. And then what happens, because the site is is personalized for each user, is the trends that are surfaced to you versus me and even the products within that trend are different. Um, So we kind of have, you know, this is where sort of human and machine kind of take turns. So we do a, a really a blend where there is definitely sort of a human who really understands what's happening. And then the sort of products that are surfaced are very much based on brands, price points, color, you know, style types that are relevant to you. Um, that's probably the biggest piece. And then, you know, we do really fun social and email where we put a little more perspective um, into it, whereas the site experience itself is pretty much sort of driven around your use, your specific use case and um, whether it's new products being surfaced from brands you like or new brands we want to recommend to you based on the brands we know you like. All of that happens kind of within the site experience. Yes. Was this all Taylor? I follow you guys on Instagram. You know when there's a post by the yes, it's like splashy, almost collagey. It's just so fun. It's inspiring in itself, just how it's cr- designed. But yeah, talk to me about that. About that. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I sort of started with Taylor and said, listen, we're not um, a brand, you know, that creates product and then we need to shoot the product on model. And we're not you know, one look. I mean, we are where we think about Spotify and Pandora as our inspiration. Like we all love Spotify, but what our lists look like and who shows up in it is totally different, right? And so you feel this affinity to the brand and yet each person's experience is different. So Taylor and I spent a lot of time talking about that, talking about the fact that we weren't going to have our own photo shoots um, and we weren't going to be kind of one look. And so she took that and just ran with it. She works with a brilliant team. um, And, you know, huge shout out to Larry and Molly and Michelle, who are the designers and writers and videographers. And um, we, you know, with, with them, she really sort of took that challenge and said, how do we make this fun, interesting, unique, not look like a black and white box like every other retailer, give it a little personality, make it fun. Our name is the yes. We're all about like, you know, finding your yes. And um, yet really sort of um, kind of take advantage of other, sort of collaging lots of different photographic styles together. And so that has sort of been the genesis. And I agree, she's done a phenomenal job. So, so fun. Well, when the website came about, was it earlier this year? When, when did that happen? May of, May of this year. Yes. Yeah. What was, was that always the plan? Did you say, why was that necessary? Um, and I, I know you also expanded um, within the year your plus size assortment. That was another step too. Um, yeah. Tell me about the evolution. Uh, what's been key to to take take you guys to the next level or to the next step? Yeah. So on the Website, we had always planned to build a website. We, my co-founder and I debated at the very beginning, I remember where we were sitting, do we do web or app first? Um, And our thought at the time, keep in mind, this is pre-COVID, was that, you know, I mean, mobile just continues to grow. Um, And what we really wanted to do was build something in for mobile that felt native to mobile and not like a site being sort of ported over to a mobile device. And because sort of the concept of yes and no was so integral to the product experience, we felt like let's build a mobile app first. It'll sort of, it really forces us to make hard choices because you have a limited screen size 
and um, and then we would build web after. We knew that web would be important just because people like to be able to shop on both. And if you're really a one-stop shop for everyone who's interested in fashion, which is who we're targeting, then you need to have both. But we did um, launch with app first, and then we pretty quickly realized, which you know is not, was not shocking, that app is limited in your ability to acquire customers and your ability to link through from email. You know, there's just a lot that you need web links for. And so we started about six months in um, building website and we launched it, you know, six months later. So it was about um, a year after we launched app. Um, And both are really important. Um, Is it a good balance in between where they're shopping? So customer acquisition is much greater on on web um, because if you think about people finding you through links, that happens on web. You know, what I would say is our hardcore diehards use the app. Um, you know, I think the experience on it is um, it's just a great experience. We're, we're continuing to improve on both experiences. We have a lot more to do on web and we have more we want to do on app too. Um, I was just going to say sort of the the other thing that we looked at is when you asked about plus sizes is we always felt like, you know, we want this to be for everyone. And, um, you know, we don't want this to feel like this is there's sort of this cordon to off section for, you know, plus size shoppers or for, um, you know, any single group. And so because when you fill out the profile, you answer your size questions, you only see what's available in your size. And so it's been a great experience. We have probably about 40 brands for um, that, you know, sort of our size inclusive. And so it's a it's a cool assortment. You know, I think it's a, a very unique assortment because we sell DCC brands, we have specialty brands. And so it's a nice mix. Nice. In the future, when you're wanting to sell to everybody, I don't know if you mean every lady, but um, is men's an option? Is, are kids coming? Like a category expansion like that, is that in the cards? Um, it's definitely in the cards. It's not going to be this year. We really want to get better and better at what we're sort of our core, um, where we started. So we're going to stick with women's fashion, but certainly men's is on the near-term horizon. Um, and then we'll see about kids. We'll, and then, you know, I think the platform that we're building is certainly one that can be extended to other categories and other verticals. But I'm a big believer in focus and doing one thing really well before you start to expand. For sure. Tell me about the importance of membership or signing in. Um, I was kind of dabbling on the website to see if I had to, to to make a purchase. I don't know. I got things in my cart and made it, <laughs> made it without signing in. But yeah, is that key? Is that crucial? So what's interesting is we... Um, you know, the the web journey is so different from an app, which sort of can take you through a very narrow path. And so with web, because we have such a big catalog, people discover us through SEO, through, you know, Google Shopping, lots of ways. Um, we don't force someone to go through that path. But what we are starting to do is get really good at understanding the actions you're taking and figuring out when to ask specific questions so we can start to gather that data, even if it's not a linear onboarding. Um, So we have a lot of work to do around that. Yes, you can just come and buy. Um, We are already learning things about you as you do that one purchase. But then we think that there are a lot of interesting ideas on how to continue to bring you back, even if you haven't filled out every question that's part of our onboarding. For sure. Well, I made a note because earlier you mentioned the the customer experience, and obviously personalization is a big part of that. Um, what else is part of that? Um, is it, does it have to do with with packaging or or the follow up email or what goes into that? Yeah, I think the um, relationship 
that we build with a customer is around offering really the sort of best mix of products, the best assortment from high to low, which is really hard to find. It's it's rare, if not unheard of, to see you know a lot of these brands together. And the point that we made when we talked to brands is this is not about who you sit next to because it's never the same. It's depending on each user and they're getting their own curation. And so, um, you know, we've been able to have great relationships with all kinds of brands to bring this wide assortment to customers. Um, The second is really about just guaranteeing that they're sort of, we're offering the best price. Most of the time, it's a non-issue because the brands are pretty good about sort of protecting um, price integrity. Um, But we don't want customers to feel like they have to worry about, are they checking every last site to see if they're getting the best price? So we have technology that helps us with that. And then, um, you know, I think making the checkout experience super seamless, Apple pays core, we're doing additional things, and then making the communication to the customer around where the package is. You know, we do a really fun... um, sort of text notifications of your package is on its way, you know, it should be at your door. We put a little personality into it. So I think there's all of those basic core e-commerce things that you just need to have to make a great customer experience. And then for us, the sort of icing is the personalization and, you know, I would say the ability to have really sort of one-to-one communication after that, that happens not only through the site and app, but also through emails. So if you've yes to product and you haven't yet bought it and then it goes on sale, we let you know. If the brand that you like is, um, you know, has a new drop of new products, we let you know. And so we're able to make that sort of communication with a customer so much more relevant and actually really helpful, which is our goal. I love that feature. Come get it now. It's cheaper. (laughs) Yes, please. That's amazing. Um, So who do you consider when you first launched? um, I made a comparison because you guys launched around the same time as like the Facebook shop and like there was some overlap in terms of words like personalization, but I don't know. Who do you consider your competitor in the space? Maybe not Facebook. No, we don't consider Facebook a competitor. And in fact, we're working pretty closely with Instagram on Um, some of the things they're thinking about for the future of shopping, and we see them as a partner. Um, The, you know, I think that the competition today is the other multi-branded retailers, to be honest. I mean, I think the world is certainly changing. So if you look more broadly, you could say from a technology standpoint, lots of people are trying to get into shopping. Um, But I think it's very hard to build a shopping destination if that's not your core business. So while I think that other, you know, experiences like uh, an Instagram or a Pinterest will be great inspirational buying places, um, you know, and I think that they're they're kind of, you know, always going to be a part of the mix, I don't think they're going to be sort of core. Um, Yeah, so we're, you know, the other places, the other department stores and the online only Um, you know, retailers that are selling lots of brands are really who we see as the competition, quote. Yes. Would you say your marketing mix is pretty typical? Um, The emails, the Instagram, what's included? Yeah, I would say that um, while the channels may be typical, I think our approach is different. And so our approach to email is much more one-to-one. You know, I look at kind of 
Pinterest and LinkedIn and Facebook. And if you look at the kind of the way they're communicating, they're communicating based on you and what's interesting to you and relevant to you and your network. And so we think about that, but as it relates to your fashion interests, um, we do have, you know, Taylor does an editorial email once a week, but um, that's kind of more for fun and inspiration. The rest of our communication is very one-to-one. Um, and then I think, you know, what we've, what we've really done on the social channels is, um, we love talking to different people and we do these takeovers where, you know, different people can share what inspires them and then share their yes lists. And that to us is kind of a little more interesting and engaging and really underscores kind of each person has their own experience. Oh, how fun. Well, fundraising, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> tell me what your approach has been. Were, did you fundraise uh, prior to launch? Is this ongoing, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely took a pretty ambitious approach to fundraising. I have watched so many companies raise too little money and go out of business because they couldn't get traction, even though the idea was really good. Because it just, everything costs more and takes longer than you expect. And so when I started, I really, I spent some time with some engineers assessing what I thought it would take to build the product and then kind of doubled that. Um, And um, we ended up raising $10 million to start as our seed round. And I went straight to Kirsten Green, who I'd followed for years and admired um, and told her what I was doing. And she became a thought partner pretty early on and was one of the co-leads along with Tony Florence at NEA. And um, since then, we have raised a total of $40 million. And Um, We will continue to raise because this is an expensive endeavor. It takes a huge amount of technology and engineers are not cheap. Um, And, you know, it takes time. I mean, the reality is that we are, you know, you can't launch a great personalization experience without a lot of brands or else it doesn't really work for the customer. So we needed to get all of the brands teed up and the system working. And now we just have so many things we want to do to make the experience better and better and more brands we want to add and more we want to do with the brands we have. So, you know, we have a lot in front of us and these things, you know, if you're going to build something that's really big and industry changing, it is not for the faint of heart and it definitely is expensive. Yes. So interesting. Tell me a little bit more about the competition for for talent. It almost reminds me of, I don't know if you're experiencing this or I made this up, <laughs> but um, in terms of, yes, getting these uh, amazing tech folks, data scientists, what have you, to say, like, to come, maybe they're, they're like, I'm not working for a fashion company. They don't even consider this part of their, like, in their world. It almost reminds me of when we were hiring a business reporter and people are like, I'm not a fashion writer. And I'm like, We want the best business reporters. Like, yes, you are. Anyway, talk to me. Such a good point. Um, And, you know, there are the overlap between great engineers and people interested in fashion is very low. It's even lower than I think I thought going into it. One of the reasons that I started this business is because I felt like I had worked so closely in tech and so closely in fashion that I was, you know, one of the few people who understood how to really do what what good looked like in both. Not that I personally can do it, but, you know, I can hire the team to do it. Um, and, you know, I still feel that way. I feel like what we've been able to do is hire amazing engineers because the problems we're trying to solve are really interesting and they're really hard. And so what, you know, the engineers that work on our team, I mean, I would say only 
you know, maybe two or three would tell you that they're interested in fashion. But what they're really interested in is they're interested in building an industry-changing platform, in building the future of shopping. We think of ourselves as really, we're changing the way shopping works online. And it is fashion to start because it's a really challenging category, but it could be applied to other categories. And they're also really interested in AI and applied AI. So, you know, artificial intelligence can do all these interesting things in the medical field and, you know, the entertainment field, we've seen it with all of these social media and media companies, but no one has really applied it to commerce yet in kind of a core way. And so that in and of itself is really interesting. And so we're able to hook really strong engineers, both because we have strong talent in-house and talent, you know, sort of attracts talent. And so by having a great CTO who has, you know, a lot of deep technical knowledge, he was able to bring in really talented engineers who are able to draw others in. But it's not because they're interested in fashion. It's because they're interested in the problems we're solving. They definitely have all gotten more knowledgeable about it. We always enjoy, you know, these sort of um, you know, having conversations about different style types with engineers who had no idea what these things meant. You know, now they all understand um, where, you know, ruffles and off the shoulder versus cold shoulder and, you know, deep V. And so it's funny to talk about it and they learn. But, you know, it's other things that I think draw them to this business. Right on. Well, running out of time, I cannot ask about uh I guess the obstacles of late. Um, gosh, I, I feel like you may have even a unique, unique challenges um, with every brand having their own supply chain and and how you're communicating any any hurdles to your customer. Um, how would you describe the challenges around in that space? Yeah, you know, it it hadn't been a big problem until the holidays when obviously the demand is really high, the volume is really high. Um, and everybody is, you know, suffering from supply chain issues at the brand level. So for us, you know, in theory, we have the benefit of only selling what's available. And so we have done a lot of technical work to make sure that our inventory systems are synced. And so, you know, you you can choose from what's here. But unfortunately, the brands haven't necessarily had their inventory always synced or they've had unexpected things that happen. So deliveries don't end up happening on a product that was for sale. And so this holiday season, we have definitely had customer service issues um, that we had never experienced before. And, you know, we're just trying to be, and we didn't, because we're a young startup, we hadn't necessarily staffed to the level that we needed. So we are definitely working really hard to communicate as quickly and efficiently to the customer if something is not available, helping her or him for her find an, uh, an alternative item. And that is kind of the best we can do. Um, and I think we're all going to be, you know, the brands themselves and the platforms that are selling the brands are all going to be stronger for it in the future. But it's definitely hard and hitting right now. Yes. Well, tell me what we can expect from the Yes in 2022. Does this mean expansion? Does it mean incorporating some of the, I guess, learnings from this year to maybe safeguard for the next, for what's to come? Uh, yeah. What's yeah. next? We, um, in January, are launching a new program for customers that we're really excited about. So I can't say more yet, but that's coming soon. Um, I, I don't know if you remember, but um, I helped launch Beauty Insider at Sephora. So I'm a big fan of interesting 
programs that reward your best customers. So we're thinking a lot about that. Um, And then, you know, I would say above and beyond that, we have tons of new kind of features that make shopping and personalization better and uh, more relevant. We have more brand, many, many more brands coming on, some really cool things with the brands that are on the platform today. Um, And we're going to stick with our um, sort of core product and really get it singing and awesome for next year, and then lots of expansion beyond. I have to ask, when you're working with a, a combination of brands, luxuries in the mix, um, what would you say about luxuries approach to, are they all in on e-commerce now? Are we there? Are there still brands that are hesitant to to expand to more platforms? It is a total range. Um, I've been really impressed by Caring. Um, I think all of their brands, um, you know, Bottega Veneta and Balenciaga, Alexander McQueen, um, you know, these are brands that really understand the world is changing and they're experimental and they're, you know, I think they're really on top of it. I think there are other brands that are either decidedly staying away from expansion or still figuring it out. Um, but we're, we have some great conversation with brands we don't have yet on the platform, but I think we'll be joining soon. And it's fun to work with them. And we, you know, we definitely get how special these brands are and how different they are. And, you know, we, we are not one size all in the way that we work with brands. Like, you know, we definitely are able and willing to accommodate different needs because that's the nature of the, you know, the space. Right on. Well, we'll see if 2022 is the year some of these brands leap into the new, I almost said millennium, (laughs) the the modern day fashion world. Oh my gosh, Julie, thank you for being here. This was great. It was so fun to talk and they were such good questions. Thank you, Jill. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Be sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the Glossy Podcast. See you next week.